This is part five on Second Thessalonians 1, 5 to 8. This is evidence, referring back to the persecutions and the endurance of the Christians, this is evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be considered worthy, made worthy, made fit for the kingdom of God through your sufferings for which you are suffering. Since indeed God considers it just to repay two things with affliction, those who afflict you, that's the first repayment, so they're not going to get away with it, these that are causing your suffering. And secondly, he repays relief with us to you who are afflicted. So you get relief, you Christians, and those who are afflicting you get affliction. Now, when and how will that happen? We saw the when last time in the revelation of our Lord Jesus from heaven at the second coming. This reversal of fortunes is going to happen. Those who think they are so high and mighty and strong as to afflict the Christians are going to be repaid with affliction, and the believers who seem to be so defeated are going to be shown to be true and right as they're repaid with rest and relief. How's it going to happen? Father, I pray that as we ponder this terrible and glorious event, you would cause us to love your appearing. Long for it. Wait for it. And indeed, pour ourselves out for your glory in the meantime by rescuing sinners in Jesus' name. Amen. It's going to happen by means of the Lord's descent, revelation, with his mighty angels. Just pause there. A person might think, well, if the Lord is so great, if he is so glorious, why does he need angels around him? Wouldn't that show that he's weak if he needs help, the help of angels? <laughs> One might say that, but probably not if a hundred million Angels, each one of them, say, maybe a thousand feet tall. Who knows? I get a hundred million from Daniel. Twelve. No, eleven. Twelve. Ten thousand times ten thousand angels stood before him. If you saw a hundred million mighty angels filling the sky, you probably wouldn't say, well, whoever they're serving must be a weakling. <laughs> you would say, if, if one being that glorious bows to another, the other must be remarkable. And if a hundred million bow before him, his glory is speechless. That's the point here. They are mighty, and they are many, and they are coming. It's going to happen in uh, the giving of vengeance. That word right there showed up first in First Thessalonians 4. This is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, 
that no one transgress or wrong his brother in this matter of sexual morality through adultery? Because the Lord is an avenger. There's the word. The Lord is an avenger in these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. So he's already told them, this is going to happen. Don't be found among the number who don't obey the gospel or don't know God. Be found among the number who obey the gospel and believe and know God so that this vengeance does not fall upon you. Paul speaks of it in Romans 12. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And that's what we see here in this repayment of vengeance. God promises to repay, which is incidentally the ground for why we shouldn't. Some people say, well, if you have a God that's a God of vengeance, you're going to be a vengeful people. Well, not if you read your Bible and believe it, because the whole point is, since we have a God who takes vengeance, we don't have to and we shouldn't. Beloved, never avenge yourselves. Leave it to the wrath of God. And follows with, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. This produces love, self-sacrifice, not vengeance. Close that parenthesis. So, an avenger is coming, and he is going to give vengeance against those who don't know God and don't obey the gospel and who are thus causing suffering for his people. Here's that word again in the mouth of Jesus. Will not God give justice? That's the same word. It's not a negative word. It's a positive word. Justice, vengeance. Will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice, same word, to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he, when the Son of Man comes, that's the context, it's the second coming when he's going to give justice. He's going to give vengeance. And when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? And he opens the question. It's going to be so horrible in the last days that he asks the believers, will you endure? Here's Jesus speaking of it in terms of repayment. The Son of Man is going to come with angels, with his angels in the glory of his Father. Then he will repay each person according to what he has done. And so this repayment here is coming, and it's coming through a giving of vengeance by the Lord Jesus from heaven in the glory of his Father with his holy angels. And they are going to be so stunning, and he's going to be so stunning that there will be no thought of escape. What about the term fire? It's going to happen in flaming fire. What are we going to make of that? It starts, I would say, with fire that begins now in the righteous judgment that is refining us and making us worthy for the kingdom. And I say that because that's the way Peter talked in 1 Peter 1. The tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Christ, 
He pictures the sufferings of Christian as a testing with fire. He does the same thing in chapter 4. Beloved, don't be surprised at the fiery trial that comes upon you now to test you. So, in a sense, the, the righteous judgment here is the beginning of the fire. Only it's not punitive for believers, it's purifying for believers. And then we move to the next level of fire at the end, testing each one's work and burning up what isn't of God. Each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it. That's the day of the Lord Jesus at his coming. We'll disclose it because it will be revealed by fire whether our works are of God or of the flesh. And the fire will test, the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved only as through fire. So the fire at the end of the age that Jesus brings is a testing fire for the believers, and not only a consuming fire for the unbelievers, but it does end, in the end, with a lake of fire. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. So I'm suggesting that in flaming fire here, has multiple applications. And let me suggest this, lest we have a false picture in our minds, because all of us get a picture in our minds when we read this. We look into the sky, we wonder, what will that be like? And let me suggest that you not form a picture of this event happening necessarily in two seconds. It could. Leave open the possibility, since we don't know how Jesus will do this, that it might take two hours. And what I mean by that is simply this. What if the first thing you see is lightning? Like Luke, as, for as the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one side to the other, so will the Son of Man be in his day. In the day when the Son of Man is revealed, there's that word revelation. The f- I, d- I didn't mention in my little survey of fire, lightning. So, what if in flaming fire here, most visually means lightning starts flashing across the sky? How long might that last? An hour? A half an hour? Two hours? What if it intensifies? like nothing anybody has ever seen, flash after flash from sky to sky, hour after hour, building and building and building. And then what if a sign appears, the sign of the Son of Man, as Jesus called it? I don't know what that sign would be. Could be a, a big cross or something else. What if that appears? And then what if the angels then stand forth? And then what if the Lord comes after two, three, four hours of all of that? It leaves time for some of those things to happen that, the, uh, that Jesus was talking about in the Gospels when he said, uh, don't come down from the roof of your house when this starts, and don't come in from the field. There's no place to go 
you're not going to escape this. So don't don't limit the event here to a flash of everything happening within two seconds. There could be lightning. There could be thunder. There could be mighty angels gathering as a welcoming. And then there could be the appearance of the Lord Jesus himself. At any rate, the point is, by his coming, those who don't know God and those who don't believe the gospel are going to receive vengeance and therefore the righteous judgment that began with us is going to be completed with everything being set right repayment with rest for those who have been abused by the world and repayment with affliction for those who have been unbelieving ignorant of god and sinful